are now listening to the Paul McGuire Report. This is Paul McGuire. On today's program, we're going to give you an emergency prophetic update regarding things that have been happening in America for literally decades, secret planning, uh, secret expenditures, secret programs have all been occurring for decades. And uh, discussion of things like the shadow government, the deep state. I remember when the term deep state first came to the surface of the American consciousness. In, in many respects, it was a good thing because prior to the acknowledgement of the existence of a deep state, there, there was a, a collective denial and uh, an aggressive censorship in the mainstream media. And there still is an aggressive censorship in the mainstream media. And even in the alternative social media, there remains censorship, rigging of numbers, for example, so suppression of certain in information or speakers or authors or leaders who are deliberately suppressed on a variety of search engines. And it doesn't require, like, you know, large rooms of uh, uh, employees sitting in front of their uh, computers. Uh, typing in individual names or individual subjects, like, for example, uh, chemtrails. If you type in chemtrails, you are going to be led specifically by the search engines, uh, first and foremost, to a whole series of websites that poo-poo and scoff at the notion of chemtrails. And that will be overwhelmingly the content that you will be uh, automatically driven to content that is politically correct, content that uh, laughs at, scoffs at, and mocks uh, chemtrails. And chemtrails will be, uh, and this is where brainwashing and scientific mind control comes in, along with the constant repetitive messages coming from the search engine that chemtrails are nothing more than a conspiracy theory, and that if you believe in the, in the existence of chemtrails, then you must be a flat-out, wacko, nut conspiracy theorist. And that's, you see, that is the, one of the most important principles of scientific mind control, propaganda, and social engineering that I have tried to educate people about uh, for over 40 years. This is that principle, the principle of transforming human behavior the principle of changing people's belief systems, essentially without them fully being aware of it or fully knowing it, is a science, is a technology. And it is derived from sciences like behaviorism and cybernetic theory, which is the, the integration of uh, computer theory going back to the 1920s and the Macy's conferences where uh, computer Theorists, computer geniuses would meet with uh, psychologists, psychiatrists, uh, social engineers, and, and those who were in the business of controlling and manipulating people's minds. These, these sciences converge, and over the decades, they have become very powerful. So early on, because of my background, and I believe that God arranged for me to take the path that I've taken. Uh, as many of you know, and I talk about it in my book, Power from on High. In fact, in my book, Power from on High, I talk about areas of my quest, my journey, uh, that I've never talked about before. 
and I encourage you to get a copy because it's, it is a mind-blowing journey that there's no way any human being, such as myself, could have ever possibly arranged all the highly unusual circumstances, the doors that appeared in my life. Uh, there's no way I could have arranged it or planned it. Remember, I was, an a- I was raised in an atheist household. I was raised in a secular humanist household and what would be called an existentialist household. And, and the term existentialist is just a fancy word for those people who only believe that reality is composed of what you see and experience with your, sen- uh, your senses in the moment. So existentialism comes from the word existence. So in existentialism, your physical dimension existence, what you perceive with your senses and your eyes and your ears and so on and so forth, in existentialism, they say then that's all there is. The existentialism, the existentialists only will acknowledge the viability and the reality of the present moment that you you perceive through your various senses. So so it's existentialism means existence, this present moment, this present second existence. So that's who I was. I was raised in that environment. And by the way, it was a very aggressive intellectual environment, a highly powerful creative environment. We were not wealthy. We were simply middle class. But because of my parents' education, because of uh, my father being in the art world, my mother being a uh, involved in many things, including being a classical pianist and training for opera, etc. This made my childhood one where I wasn't immersed in in, in your typical uh, culture uh, that most people are, are, are raised in. My parents' friends were like totally out of the box thinkers. They were painters, and, and one particular guy, he, his paintings were acclaimed. And but they were massive in size. Um, he, through his wife, uh, his wife's uh, aff- inherited affluence, they bought this massive uh, house um, that was uh, went back to, I guess you know, it was a hundred or two hundred year house, two hundred year old house on an, on an estate, and 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 his paintings uh, were so large, you know, they were like. 20 feet high or more, and, you know, uh, 10 feet wide, 15 feet wide, uh, abstract color paintings. And other of our, our, they would, then my parents' friends would be, and they would like jam, uh, because they were all uh, very adept musicians. And they would basically play the classical music, uh, the best of classical music. And people would bring a violin or uh, play the, my mother played the piano and uh, they had their, themselves a, uh, an assortment of musical instruments, and they would play for hours. Now, I couldn't stand that at the time. In fact, my mother, who I love deeply, and she's still alive, and I, I told her, I thanked her uh, for the way she raised me, because she taught me, along with my father, to question, to think for myself, and just don't accept uh, the answers that you're being told to accept. Think for yourself, read, go to the library, take out a book and read a book on physics, read a book on biology, read a book on science fiction, read a book on philosophy or art or culture, read, 
find the answers to yourself. Don't surrender your brain to the to the machine. And when I think of surrendering your brain to the machine, I think of that uh, song by Pink Floyd, uh, where the lyrics go something like, "All we are is just another brick in the wall." And it, it, the song portrays a kind of industrial society in in England, where this where the students are like enslaved in this machine-like uh, uh, educational system, which allows no independent thinking, no originality, no creativity. And in fact, the, one of the key, mu- key musicians, I think his name is Roger Waters of Pink Floyd, has been an outspoken critic of our electronic totalitarian society. And even though he's from the left politically, he, he recognizes the, the danger of this Big Brother Orwellian society, which is rising all around us. So as many of you know, and I go into it in detail in my book, Power From On High, a pivotal moment in my life was in third grade when I read two books. Uh, One was Brave New World by Aldous Huxley, a sci-fi dystopian novel of a horrifying dictatorial future where, where mankind is ruled by an evil dictator referred to as Big Brother, and the evil dictator maintains his power over the people through, through electronic surveillance and spying on the people, and most of all, by utilizing the brand new technologies of scientific mind control. And then in the same year, I read another book dealing with a similar subject, and that was George Orwell's novel of the future. In fact, it was George Orwell who, who coined the term Big Brother. Uh, George Orwell, in his book 1984, depicted a Big Brother government. But both Huxley and Orwell uh, predicted totalitarian governments ruled by uh, scientists and technologists. And so in third grade, my head was turned around because I literally, and I described what happened to me in my book, Power From On High, it was it was as if I had had a religious experience, an epiphany, and I, it's, it's hard for me to describe it, you know, in, in, in soundbite, but in the experience, my consciousness was altered in the sense that I saw uh, Huxley's Brave New World all around me in New York City. So it wasn't just a, a fantasy from sci-fi literature. I saw. Um, um, this brave new world emerging all around me in New York City. It was clear as day. And yet my teachers and fellow students were like oblivious and clueless. And then when I read 1984, I saw the evidence of the totalitarian impulse warned about by uh, author George Orwell in his book 1984, where Big Brother is spying on all the people. And so because of my interest in science and technology, and because I was taught to think outside of the box at a very young age, uh, I had what can only be described, and I describe it in my book, Power from One High, as a kind of religious experience, an epiphany, where I could see what was going to come, what was coming, with a very heightened degree of, let's just call it, a state of consciousness. And consciousness is not a New Age term. It's simply that the New Age... Has, has stolen the term for their usages. Consciousness is a scientific dynamic, and it should be employed by Christians and used by Christians. 
Just like creativity is not the exclusive domain of New Asia's, Christians should be the most creative people on planet Earth. Why? Because the God that we serve, the biblical God, described the first place in the Bible that teaches us about the character traits of God is in Genesis chapter 1, the first three verses, where we read that the God of the Bible is the Creator God, capital C, and He creates all of creation. So He's a master artist, a master engineer, a master painter, and His canvas is nature and mankind. When you contrast man's substitute gods, like Big Brother or Brave New World, they are evil, evil monstrosities. Anyway, I I do a deep dive in the book, uh, Power from on High. So I have in front of me a book I wrote uh, in 2013. It came out in 2013, so not that long ago. I mean, relatively not that long ago. And the name of the book is A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and Volume 2, which are available at a super discount right now at paulmcguire.us. And I quote from various people that I've mentioned on the program on a regular basis, because what I'm trying to to warn you about on today's program is the things that I was warning about, by the way, over a period of started in third grade, my education, my awareness of these dangers. But for over 40 years, publicly, through books, through speaking, through teaching uh, Bible prophecy, through evangelism, I have weaved in these essential truths about where our society is going in the future. And so, for example, um, in in my book, uh, I talk about things... I analyze things that are critical for you to know. So, for example, in my book, A Prophecy of the Future of America, I have a chapter entitled The Third Way, The Merger of Communism and Capitalism Under the Rule of the Elite. Now, let me emphasize that this concept of the third way, which is a merger of communism and capitalism under the rule of the elite, is this was my warning about the coming Great Reset, which is now full speed ahead. The Great Reset is being sold as a third way, and the Great Reset is a merger of communism and capitalism under the rule of a globalist elite, the 1%. The 1% of the population, uh, which consists of the wealthiest billionaire, trillionaire families on planet Earth who essentially rule planet Earth, and not only are they uh, the 1% that own all the wealth, the 1% that own all the wealth, the globalist elite, they are wealthier and more powerful than the combined wealth of the 99% of the population that would be uh, categorized as middle class and working class. And that 1%, the globalist elite, has more wealth and power, again, than the rest of all the rest of the people on planet Earth, the other 99%. So when you, when you analyze fairness and inequality and social justice, you know, the insanity, the stupidity, the brainwashing that is blatantly evident, yes, in the churches among pastors and, and Christian seminaries and, and other Christian 
ministry functions, but also in our secular educational system, in our corporations, in our government. The brainwashing and the insanity is staggering. Why? Because they're doing this right out in the open. And they write about what they're going to do in their books. They appear on uh, big-time television shows, etc. And they're telling you in advance what their plan is. And so Newt Gingrich, uh, I remember watching him on uh, C-SPAN years ago. And he gave like, they gave him so much airtime, they gave him like three hours, and he gave a three-hour lecture on the importance of what he, he called back then the third way. And he based his third way ideas on the ideas of the authors Alvin Toffler and Heidi Toffler. And uh, uh, Alvin Toffler was the author of the best-selling novel, or the best-selling book, uh, nonfiction book, called The Third Way. And other books like Future Shock. And at the time when I read it, I didn't realize that he was a, a disciple of the Third Way, and that the reason his ideas were being promoted in the mainstream media was that he was Gingrich. Gingrich was doing the bidding of the globalist elite. So, um, in my book, uh, A Prophecy of the Future of America, I, I quote Gingrich, uh, I quote um, from Alvin Toffler's Third Way, and again, Alvin Toffler's Third Way is a synthesis of people like the Greek philosopher Plato, who wrote The Republic, and Plato, by the way, was a huge believer in uh, the existence of Atlantis, and he believed that Atlantis uh, the legendary super civilization actually existed, and that it was ruled by ten elite philosopher kings or god kings that ruled the masses. And uh, many people believe that Atlantis existed. The Nazis believed it. Uh, many historians believed it. Greek philosophers believed it. Many people believed in the existence of Atlantis. So. The third way is a is a combined synthesis of the ideas of Plato. And by the way, up until this very day, the elite, the globalist elite, one of their favorite authors and blueprints for their, their dark plan comes from Plato and, and Plato's writings on the governance of, of Atlantis. So uh, then the elite in, in this third way um, plan. They merge the ideas of Plato. They merge the ideas of Karl Marx, who was a Satanist. His sister was head of a Satanic church. And Karl Marx uh, was the co-author of the Communist Manifesto. And there's a merger of the ideas, at least on an organizational level, of Adolf Hitler, who created uh, the Nazi National Socialist State. And what is so disturbing is that we see these very dangerous ideas on how to organize a world system and how to organize a new America. Uh, but the new America will be a totalitarian dictatorship ruled by this, this elite or self proclaimed elite. Now, in a book by Joseph Farrell, 
and an article series by him entitled Democrats in Drag, Third Way Fall from Grace. Uh, Steve Farrell writes about the more liberal Alvin Toffler, and uh, and he comments on the vision, uh, as, as Toffler uh, comments on the, the original vision of the Founding Fathers. And Toffler writes, quote, For the system of government you fashioned, including the very principles on which you based it, is increasingly obsolete, and hence increasingly, increasingly if inadvertently oppressive, and dangerous to our welfare. It must be radically changed. That means violent revolution. And a new system of government invented by a democracy for the 21st century. For this wisdom, above all, I thank uh, Mr. Thomas Jefferson, who helped create the system that served us so well for so long, and that now it must, it must in its turn die and be replaced. So he's calling for the death of our constitutional Bill of Rights, American freedom, and American system. And then Farrell writes, quote, Plato didn't call his revolutionary plan for tyranny tyranny, would he? Rather, he cloaked every item of revolutionary change in more palatable terms like justice or social justice or the heavenly ideal or the pursuit of good or the love of truth. He believed in and practiced double talk, just as the politicians in both the left and the right do today. He believed so much in his double talk that he convinced casual readers that they were mulling over Judeo-Christian appeal to virtue. Virtue, he taught, is whatever sustains or brings about the ideal city. And such an ideal city was his. He was a communist through and through. Well, I don't agree with Farrell at all in, in his analysis that uh, uh, Thomas Jefferson, one of our founding fathers, was a communist. He was not a communist. That's a disinformation. But there's no question he was a radical, uh, let's call him a radical follower of Plato, a, a radical member of occult secret societies like the Freemasons and the Illuminati. And he wanted to bring about a, an American revolution that incorporated, as did many of the founding fathers, the principles of the Illuminati, Rosicrucianism, and Freemasonry. So, according to Farrell, uh, here are the virtuous aims, and virtue is being used as a code word, according to him, by Thomas Jefferson to, to push for, let's call it, neo-Marxist, a neo-Marxist vision for America. And that's what's happening now with the riots in the streets. And by the way, you can expect literally, in the very near future, to see a, a resurgence of, you know, woke riots, uh, anarchy, uh, the, the tearing and assaulting of buildings, breaking shop windows, robbing uh, businesses, uh, attacking government buildings, and total anarchy. Why? Because that anarchy and I learned this firsthand, and I, I write about it in detail in my book, Power from One High. That's why you need to get the book while it's on a discount. And you need to get the book to understand what's happening in America today. As a former young radical in the counterculture, demonstrating with radical activist Abby Hoffman at 15 years old, and being at meetings of, of you know what was called the revolution back then in the 60s, when I was just 15 years old. 
I learned about their secret plans to implement a revolution in America. And they're not finished. And they are heavily financed. They were heavily financed back then. And what I write about in my book, Power From On High, is I write about meetings, secretive meetings that I believe God opened the doors for me to attend these meetings. And I discovered that the entire counterculture, the, the revolution, and all of its leaders were secretly being financed by billionaires and trillionaires, even in the 60s and the 70s, like Rockefeller, like Soros, and many others. And I, I was in meetings where they were attempting to overtly recruit college students, such as myself. And I talk about some of these secret meetings where operatives from what I believe were the intelligence agencies were there to train up, finance, and organize uh, violent and disruptive demonstrations on many campuses and universities and colleges across America. And I go into, into that. And I've never talked about that publicly before. It's in my book, uh, Power from an Eye. So this is what Farrell is, is calling for. And he, he's, in a sense, translating uh, the thinking of Alvin Toffler, the, the uh, idealist behind the third way, so, and, and what was called and is called now the third wave. So let me read you what their, their goal, and this is the system. This is the, the super capitalists are financing this, and let me read you what, their, what some of their game plans are. And this was published in my book, by the way, A Prophecy of the Future of America, copyright 2013. Okay, number one. So this is the globalist elite. This is what they're financing. Number one, private property must be abolished. The wealthy hated their wealth and redistributed by state mandate. So even uh, so, so this see, you have to understand that all of this uh, manipulation, the the Great Reset, the Global Reset, the uh, World Economic Forum, the uh, World Bank, Davos, Switzerland, the United Nations, all of these groups are wolves in sheep's clothing. They pretend to be one thing, but in reality, they're really wolves that have come to devour and destroy. That's why you have these super capitalist, super rich, globalist elite and Luciferian elite families whose goal is to, in their own words, Toffler is one of their, you know, prophets. Number one, private property must be abolished. The wealthy hated and their wealth redistributed by state mandate. Okay, so the thing here that we have to recognize, and that I'm talking about in my book, A Prophecy of the Future of America, is that their, their campaign is based on lies and deception. Lies and deception. You look at every communist revolution in human history, in China, in Cuba, in Cambodia, in Russia, and so on and so forth, and what you see over and over again is you see that at the very top of the organizational pyramid in all these communist nations, you see a super, super wealthy, super upper class, uh, uh, upper class of very wealthy uh, communist families that, that secretly rule uh, the rest of uh, communist China. There's all, and they, they drive, you know, like $200,000 sports cars. 
and their kids go to Harvard and, and Yale and stuff like that. And they're super wealthy. They own massive amounts of wealth. So, so even though publicly they call for private property to be abolished and the wealthy to be hated, secretly, the real truth is the super wealthy with their private property will, will are, not will, are currently going off to private islands and private geographic locations like uh, all the billionaires and trillionaires who are currently uh, uh, setting up massive bunkers, massive mansions with private armies on, on the island of Kauai in, in Hawaii. So the island of Kauai has become a, a, a place of fortified, military fortified retreat for the super wealthy. And the super wealthy have massive bunkers, mansions, farms, cattle, uh, and all kinds of alternative worlds that they can escape to should you know, our society go into some kind of an anarchist meltdown. Their wealth is protected. Number two in their goals, children belong to and are born to serve the state. This is an old-fashioned communist Marxist principle. Your children don't belong to you. They belong to the state. That, and, and see, middle-class parents have their eyes wide shut. They're not seeing reality for what it really is. They are being lied to. They're being told that they're the parent and that they make the decisions regarding the, the curriculum for their, for their own kids, that they have a say-so. But you see, all of that is being lied to. The, the parents of middle-class and working-class children they're, they're being lied to and seduced into thinking they have a say-so and that the school system is even remotely listening to them. The reality is that behind the scenes, secretly being hidden from the parents of the working class and the middle class, they, they believe the, the educational state, the educational super state, the educational system is run from top to bottom and financed by people who believe that the children as it says in goal number two uh, of Toffler's third wave, children belong to and are born to serve the state. So what that means, no matter what you're being lied to, the truth of the matter is, secretly and privately, they militantly believe that your children do not belong to you. Your children belong to them, the globalist elite, and they are born to serve the globalist elite through by serving the state. Okay, and so what they do, they're doing is they are systematically on a neurological, psychological, biological, and educational level, they are shattering the mindsets and the belief systems, especially in the areas of sexual morality of children beginning in first grade by exposing them to, uh, this is a heads up for parents, it'll be very brief and very sanitized, but just as a three-second heads up and a warning. One, two, three. Okay, so young children beginning in first grade are being exposed to ultra-hardcore pornography in the form of videos they can instantly access, pictures they can instantly access, uh, uh, sexual instruction teachers that come into the classroom, and I'm not going to even talk about what they, what activities they, that they that they are teaching the children to do. Because if I you would be offended. I'm offended even thinking about it. But it's being shoved in your children's faces. 
Okay, so that's because the elite are in control of the educational system, and despite the fact that they're trying to blow smoke in your eyes and placate you by thinking by making you believe the deception that you have some say so in the educational process, do you think they would be indoctrinating indoctrinating your children beginning in first grade by exposing them to ultra hardcore pornography of every every deviant form and exposing them to every super graphic perversion under the sun. Do you think that this would be going on if you actually had a whole lot of say-so? Now, you do legally have say-so. And if you organized as one and didn't give up when you held them accountable, God has given you the power right now to 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 change the the obscene content. So I don't want I don't want to uh, plant a seed in your mind that you're powerless. You are far from powerless. Ultimately, they must obey your wishes, but unless you are willing to stick to it and express your wishes, um, they're going to keep pushing, and they're going to keep dominating, and they're going to keep ruling. You know, a very spiritual thing that Christians and conservatives should do is grow a backbone and stand up for what you believe in. Be strategic. Remember, they're operating on strategies. You have to have counter strategies, and you can control the content of the classroom. Yes, you can. So don't accept defeat. Don't accept Alvin Toffler, this pampered professor from an Ivy League school whose books are propped up by the, 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 the big brother machinery of the globalist elite. When he says children belong to and are born to serve the state, our response should be, no, You're, that's totally against the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And we won't accept it. We won't stand for it. And what you're saying is a lie, and we can prove it. And then you just cite and quote the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, which says the opposite. It exposes this stuff for the lies that it is. Um, then, he, then Toffler continues to write. Now, remember, Newt Gingrich uh, back then, and uh, you know he claims to be a big conservative, but back then he was he was a massive promoter of Alvin Toffler. So then Toffler continues, and, and listen to the condescending uh, uh, verbiage uh, of, of of in, in Toffler's statements and then what Pharrell is writing. The influence of parents is noxious, which means it stinks to high hell. So so to them. The fact that parents have influence in the educational system stinks. It's not. It's noxious, and is disruptive to the interest of the state. No, it's disruptive to the interest of the elite. The state in America is supposed to be we the people. We we, we don't have a European state where where American citizens are serfs or slaves, where we serve the king and the queen. That's not what America is all about. Again, they're lying and lying and lying. Thus, every child, I'm reading from them, thus every child should be raised in government nurseries without knowledge of who his or her parents are and without parents having knowledge of who their offspring are. I mean, this is obscene. And then, then they quote, it takes a village by Hillary Clinton. Now, the point here is that this is really, when you look at it, terrifying, very it's a very disturbing and dark vision they have for children and our nation. But this, these ideas, word for word, 
come right out of Aldous Huxley's book, Brave New World. So all they're doing is they're organizing a brave new world based on the ideas of Aldous Huxley's sci-fi novel, which predicts the future. And in Brave New World, all of these ideas come from Huxley's Brave New World. Um, Number four, old values passed down in history, song, children's books, all need to be rewritten to discredit and erase the old virtues and exalt and enthrone the new. So if you wonder how these kids can be so uneducated, I'm talking about college kids, high school kids, grammar school kids, how they can be so horribly uneducated, so socially engineered, so dumbed down. The reason that they've been dumbed down is they've gone through a a process right under the nose of many apathetic parents. They've gone through a long-term social engineering process where the traditional values of America that used to be passed down in history, song, children's books, have now been censored. I was talking to one teacher who was telling me they came into the school library in the, in the grammar school that this teacher was teaching in, and like something out of the, the novel by Ray Bradbury, Fahrenheit 451, they stripped the library of all the great classic books or all the great books that that communicated and taught traditional values, moral principles, etc. And all they left was like Marxist books and uh, sexual books and books that would destroy uh, children. And so the reason these kids take to the streets and they have no idea what they're doing is they've been brainwashed just like if, as if they were in a communist state. And it says all, all the songs, children's books, all the all the traditional movies, television shows, all need to be rewritten to discredit and erase the old virtues. When they say old virtues, they're talking about things like biblical virtues, and to exalt and enthrone the new virtues. And the new virtues, of course, would be the communist, Marxist, atheistic, anarchistic, uh, amoral uh, world of no virtues. Um, You know, and and then this thing keeps going on on their goals. Class mobility is a revolutionary idea that threatens the stability of the state. A strict caste system and the elimination of career choice is the answer. So this comes from Plato. It comes from Adolf Hitler. They want to create a society where you cannot uh, uh, start at one level and through your own hard work and discipline and initiative and risk-taking and entrepreneurship. They want you stuck in a little slot. They want to control your career choices, and they want to create an airtight system where you have no opportunity to grow, to increase your wealth, to, to, to develop a, a higher-level career. You would be stuck in a social prison or a caste system. A caste system is the system of the ancient Hindu Indian Empire, where where people uh, they believed in reincarnation, and and you were born into a particular caste, and therefore you were either like a slave who could only move like heavy labor, or you, you would be a, a cleaner. All you would do is clean the houses of the elite, and then if you were fortunate enough, you might be at the upper caste where you'd be like a king or a queen. 
But besides that, everybody in the society is a slave with no way out. It's the exact opposite of the American dream. What these people envision is a nightmare vision of the future that literally, this nightmare vision of the future, it was birthed by Lucifer and Satan and the fires of hell. That's how evil, that's how corrupt, that's how destructive this is. This would, and they're going to take it farther. What do you think all their experimentation in the fields of eugenics, which is uh, selective breeding by manipulating the DNA, they want to selectively breed people to, to serve their slave state at different levels. So a person's brain, after it's been genetically modified through selective breeding, will, it, it will, people at a certain class will not have the capacity in their brains to think at a higher level of intelligence. Therefore, they will be stuck in their slave-like position for their entire lives because they've been psychologically and intellectually neutered through genetic modification. This is horrific, man. This is this is the Nazi philosophy on steroids. Um, so the state is 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 supposed to determine everything, your career, your. They don't, they don't believe in marriage. There will be no marriage. Um, number ten, selective breeding is beneficial to the state. That's an idea from Adolf Hitler and the Nazis. Uh, Number 11, unwanted babies, inferior babies, deformed babies, and adult handicapped are unnecessary. Now, if you read between uh, the lines here, what they're inferring is that babies and children better wake up. When they say uh, uh, inferior babies, they are secretly inferring things like babies with autism learning disorders, and other manageable challenges, but they want to do away with uh, these children. This is, this is a Frankenstein society. you got to wake up. And if you don't stand up against it now, while you still have the opportunity, you're going to end, you're going to end up living in a land of endless tears and weeping and pain that never ends until Jesus Christ returns to deliver you. But my concern from a theological standpoint, is Jesus commanded us to occupy until he comes. That means we're supposed to be exercising, under his authority, a significant degree of rulership to restrain this kind of evil until Christ comes. Now, if God's people in their rebellion from God refuse to to restrain evil, then evil is going to run rampant. And so all the suffering and the, and the tears and the tragedy that unwinds from this, you can't blame God for that. That's a direct byproduct of, of God's people rebelling from God and refusing to do what God commanded them to do until the return of Jesus Christ. Um, as you know, they are... Uh, encouraging the, the, the rape of lower-class males and boys, because that's the right of rulers, guardians, and war heroes. Uh, absolute loyalty to the government is vital for the success and safety of such a society. A state-sanctioned KGB-like network is an essential good. The KGB were, 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 was the 
previous name of the, of the Russian communist secret police. They were ruthless and brutal. And these people are calling for a, a new America, a new American society that, that has a Russian communist KGB-like network uh, to control everybody. Nobody will be allowed to, to make wealth. It'll, all wealth will belong to the state. This is a nightmare, man. Okay, so I have, there's much more here. Um, oh. So th this, is, this is just part of their game plan. And they borrow these ideas from ancient super civilizations like uh, the, the contemporary modern Illuminati plan, which is based on Plato's Republic. And so I warn about it in my book, A Prophecy of the Future of America. Now, I want to read you something else that I talked about in A Prophecy of the Future of America, because it's very important. And that is uh, Zbigniew Brzezinski, the Council on Foreign Relations and the Trilateral Commission. So in uh, page 49 of A Prophecy of the Future of America, I quote, and analyze from Brzezinski's book, The Grand Chessboard, American Primacy and Its Geostrategic Imperatives, where he outlines a geopolitical strategy where America plays a key role in establishing a new world order and a new world economic order. And Brzezinski believes our, Brzezinski in his book, The Grand Chessboard, uh, and I quote him in my book, A Prophecy of the Future of America, he believes our world should be ruled by a scientific elite, as in the vision of the philosopher Plato. He calls this the technocratic elite and believes that a one-world religion is an essential part of the process. So he calls for Agenda 21, which is a UN environmental movement. It is intended to bring about the technotronic and transhumanist era. The elite plans to control the masses by artificial intelligence and the use of a microchip implanted in everyone's brain. Now remember, I wrote this in uh, 2013. I also wrote about similar stuff 10, 20 years before that. Brzezinski, here's another chapter. Zbigniew Brzezinski, running the world on science and technology the world does not know exists. So I'm reading from my book. The masses of Americans and people from other countries are being controlled by science and technology that they do not know even exists. And now this is a quote that I quote from Brzezinski. Quote, the current transformation also poses a profound philosophical issues concerning the very essence of social existence, since it is largely derived from an unprecedented expansion of scientific power over both man's environment and man himself. And then I quote from Brzezinski's book, Between Two Ages. America's role in the technotronic era that was published in 1970. So in 1970, Brzezinski was talking about the developments that, that are screaming in our faces right now with the Great Reset and artificial intelligence and the Internet and stuff like that. Uh, so I, I warn by saying this. Most people in societies like America do not understand the full extent of the psychological control that they are under. And then I quote Brzezinski, quote, another threat conf confronts liberal democracy. 
more directly linked to the impact of technology. It involves the gradual appearance of a more controlled and directed society. Such a society would be dominated by an elite whose claim to political power would rest on allegedly superior scientific know-how, unhindered by the restraints of traditional liberal values. Like, like traditional liberal values are, are things like doing the right thing, being compassionate, caring. They, 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 Brzezinski calls for those values to be essentially burned up. Unhindered by the restraints of traditional liberal values, this elite would not hesitate to achieve its political ends by using the latest modern techniques for influencing public behavior and keeping society under close surveillance and control. So as far back as 1970, actually farther back than that, Brzezinski is talking about the need for these, these surveillance. He's writing about the, uh, the, the trillion-dollar budget for the Electronic Surveillance Society um, long before drones and other technologies were openly developed or known about. In the original Brzezinski Journal article, America in the Technotronic Age, that he wrote in 1968, he writes, quote, At the same time, the capacity to assert social and political control over the individual will vastly increase. As I have noted, it will soon be possible to assert almost continuous surveillance over every citizen and to maintain up-to-date complete files containing even the most personal private information about the health or personal behavior of the citizen, in addition to more customary data. These files will be subject to instantaneous retrieval by the authorities. Now, that's where we are now. That's the real purpose of the Internet. The real purpose of the Internet and social media is not for your entertainment, not for your amusement, not so you can, you know, talk to your friends and stuff like that. That's, that's the sucker punch bait. That's the bait to make you think it's a friendly, safe place where you can share, you know, your pictures of your fishing trip or uh, riding a motorcycle. I don't know. You can share whatever you want. But what you have to understand is every time you interact with your social media or the Internet, and that includes simply talking out loud in front of your cell phone, even if your cell phone is not connected to somebody at that particular moment, everything that you say is being recorded, stored, and analyzed by artificial intelligence. That's why, you know, uh, I'm sure this has happened to probably almost 100% of you. You'll talk about something out loud, and the next thing you know, you'll go onto one of your social media pages, and you'll see specific ads presented to you individually based on the subjects or the things you talked about. So, so if you talked about, let's say, guitars in front of your cell phone, you didn't type in guitars, you just talked about it. And then five minutes later, when you go to your social media page, you see a big ad uh, offering you deals on uh, electrical guitars and acoustic guitars. How did that happen? Your social media, your computer is a big brother box sucking in every bit of information and data it can about you. So this is, this is, where, this is where we live. And it doesn't stop there. This same technology can be used to influence public behavior and keep society, this is according to Brzezinski, under close surveillance 
and control, like an electronic dictatorship. So you have weather modification, but people are so dumbed down, they, they, can't, they, they look at the weird, freaky weather. And there's no way that the weird, freaky weather is the product of, of nature. The weird, freaky weather is the product of chemtrail weather modification engineering. The weather is artificially created. The heat waves, the storms, the rain, the droughts, all this strange weather that we've been hammered with for, for over a decade now is coming out of special jets, which are not commercial jets. They're jets that are dedicated solely to spraying out toxic chemicals, chemicals that control or modify the weather, and chemicals that control or modify human consciousness and human behavior. I have the facts on this in my book, uh, The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind, and in my book, A Prophecy of the Future of America. And I literally quote the former head of the CIA who openly admits that they have weather modification and weather control technology, and they've been using it for decades. He wasn't lying. He said this in a speech before Rockefeller's Council on Foreign Relations. All right, this is Paul McGuire. We're going to be back in, in just a second, and you need to go to paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. This is the moment for a peaceful, spiritual, third-grade awakening. But that's predicated on our collective ability to acquire biblical knowledge and use that biblical knowledge in engaging our society in a strategic and intelligent manner. So visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. Grab the books. Donate financially. Make a contribution. Stand with us. Sign up for our social media. Like, follow, join. Remember, I'm fighting. I'm personally, and everybody I know who's speaking the truth, we're all fighting a rigging battle and a censorship battle by, by big tech. And they're, they're artificially intelligent computers or artificially unintelligent computers that censor us, that rig our numbers. The goal is, is to marginalize us, demonize us, uh, say that lie and distort the, our actual numbers of viewers and likers and followers, distort those n- numbers so they can lie and say, oh, just a fringe group is into this. Really? It's... it's in many of these things that I'm talking about, 52% of the Americans are suspicious and skeptical about what's going on. It's no fringe group. It's actually the majority, but you're being blinded from that because they're, used, they're cheating in the game. Okay, visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. We'll be back in just a moment. Wherever you are in the United States, wherever you are on planet Earth, you are now listening to the Paul McGuire Report. This is Paul McGuire. All right, I'm looking at a very recent article from Global Research. Uh, Dated the article uh, June 4th. No, the reprint of the article uh, was very recent. And it goes back, and the title of the article is Shadow Government in the Case of a Second 911 Back to the Bunker. And what this talks about is uh, these continuity in government procedures. The article was written by William Arkin. So obviously there's nothing wrong with <clears throat> conducting 
continuity in government drills because that way you retain uh, the effectiveness and the viability of the U.S. government in the time of uh, an incredible crisis, like let's say a nuclear attack, terrorist attack, a massive earthquake, or, or whatever. Uh, now, back in this article, it references a training session where 4,000 government workers represented, representing more than 50 federal agencies from State Department to the Commodity Futures Trading Commission will say goodbye to their families and set off for dozens of classified emergency facilities stretching from Maryland and Virginia suburbs to the foothills of the Alleghenies. They will take to the bunkers in an evacuation that my sources describe as the largest continuity of government exercise ever conducted, a drill intended to prepare the U.S. government for an even for an event even more catastrophic than the September 11, 2001 attacks. Okay, obviously that we live in a time <clears throat> because of, of numerous national problems and, and countless international geopolitical tensions, there exists a, a wide spectrum of potential, potential crisis events that could massively disrupt our society. Anything from an electromagnetic pulse weapon attack, which I, I, I go into heavy-duty detail with heavy-duty research uh, in my book, uh, The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World, on, on specifics in an EMP attack. Heavy-duty specifics. And you need to read them because I, my, my uh, source, let's just put it this way, my source was very high up. And so this is not something that, that is a bad thing. I mean, it's a necessary thing. It's, it's called preparedness. But as I'm reading the article, um, the government is using state-of-the-art technology. They should be using state-of-the-art technology. Um, and hundreds of millions of dollars were spent uh, in this exercise uh, for facilities, data warehouses, communications, uh, in, a, in a, as you could call it, a mock scenario if part of our government was incapacitated due to some event that there's a backup system to keep our government up and running, and uh, but what what makes one concerned uh, in, in terms of accountability and in, in terms of uh, uh, potential dangers or abuses of this kind of thing? Because because these continuity of government programs are nothing new; they they, they were going on nineteen fifties. Uh, when the threat of nuclear war moved the administration of Harry S. Truman to begin to set up and plan for emergency government functions and civil defense. And, and Great Britain did this during World War II when it had to deal with Hitler. And the United States obviously uh, had to do this during the Cold War with the former Soviet Union, Communist Russia. So under this program that began with President Truman, these giant 
massive evacuation bunkers were built and an incredibly complex secretive shadow government was created. Now, this, this has been done in, in Russia, it's been done in China, it's been done by New Great Britain, it's been done by numerous superpowers. And in my book, A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and Volume 2, I actually list by name and description of the uh, major uh, facilities, the major super bunker facilities. I list them, uh, all the big ones in the United States and Europe, including a list that includes uh, smaller super bunkers, you know, built for celebrities like Scientologists, superstar uh, Tom Cruise. So that's in my book, Prophecy of the Future of America. So there are these super bunkers like fully operational Mount Weather. I talk about that in the book. A civilian bunker built along the crest of Virginia's Blue Ridge Mountains. And it's there that most of the agency heads would evacuate on crisis. Then there's the Greenbrier Hotel Complex and Bunker in West Virginia, <clears throat> where Congress would, would hide out. And Raven Rock, or Site R, National Security Bunker, bored into granite along the Pennsylvania-Maryland border near Camp David, where Joint Chiefs of Staff would command, or could command, a protracted nuclear war. And special, highly advanced communication networks were built and evacuation and succession procedures were practiced, were practiced continually. There are other, uh, there are many more of these super bunkers. Some, I believe, are the size of cities, and they're massive and underground. Now, at this particular moment, moment even though I'm aware of some of them, when I say aware of some of them, uh, simple, diligent research can, can reveal that to you. Uh, but I don't think it's prudent to name certain facilities that, that for our government's benefit, are, are intended to be at least kept on a, a low profile. Um, so the Soviet Union, which is the name of communist Russia uh, decades ago, they uh, began to build these giant bunkers under giant mountains in Russia. But, but what a number of these superpowers have done, which is very different, and this is disturbing than what the United States has done, is that um, in, in the Soviet Union and Russia, in communist China, and a number of other communist nations, they have built these massive super bunkers, these massive underground cities, etc., not just for the political elite and the military elite, and military, they had built them to include uh, ordinary citizens or, or citizens that, I guess, have potential value in, in crisis. And in any case, they have built bunkers and underground cities to protect the American people. Now, I'm not aware of any major uh, project of giant underground bunkers or giant underground cities that have been built. Uh, to protect we, the American people, the average citizen. I hope, I, but I have really no confidence when I say this, it is my hope and expectation that those facilities would be there 
to protect the American people, the average American citizen, in a time of major crisis. And it is my hope that, that these facilities have already been built. The only reason we don't know about them is they're, they're secrets of the enemies of the United States of America won't target them. But that is somewhat of an upper story leap, because I have no factual evidence to, to, to prove that that governmental kindness towards we, the American people, actually exists. In fact, there are disturbing reports of, of concentration camps and detention camps that have been built for, um, at one point, this goes back decades ago, at one point, FEMA allegedly had a list. Now, now there's many people high up in FEMA, uh, in FEMA who, who deny that this list exists. They say it's a conspiracy theory. And, and the conspiracy theory, allegedly, is that the FEMA has a secret list of two kinds of people, people who are on the red list and people who are on the blue list. If you're on the blue list, FEMA considers you a good guy or a good girl, and that you'll, you'll go with the flow and go with the socialist, Marxist government programs, et cetera, et cetera. But if you're a patriot, if you're a born-again Christian, if you believe in Bible prophecy, if you believe in individualism, if you believe in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, then you would be placed, according to this allegation, on the red list, which means you would be targeted for imprisonment in a detention camp or a concentration camp or something of that nature. Now, there is uh, many people, uh, whistleblowers included, swear that the red and blue list actually exists. And then there are those in FEMA who vehemently deny that there is any such thing as a blue list and a red list. But if it were to be true that there was a red list and a blue list, this would be completely against the Constitution of the United States of America and the Bill of Rights. So there has to be an accountability. Um, and that's something that you should consider, especially when you're praying for our nation, but also being aware uh, of what's going on. Now, um, so let me read you some facts that you might find interesting. Um, there was an exercise um, called Forward Challenge a number of years ago. They had a, a, a series of form of Forward challenge exercises, uh, and it was a a coming together in this forward challenge exercise that required thirty one departments of the federal government and agencies, including FEMA, which is a giant agency, to relocate. Fifty to sixty are expected to take part. Now, according to government sources, the exercise will test the newly created continuity of government alert conditions called COGONs that emulate the DEFCONs of the national security. Forward challenge will begin with a series of alerts via your cell phone, pagers, and laptops. It will test COGON 1, the highest level of preparedness in which each department an agency is required to have at least one person in its chain of command and sufficient staffing at alternative operating facilities to perform essential functions. And then it continues on. It's a massive uh, uh, program, but the, 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 the purpose is to 
to make sure that the U.S. government, in a time of a terrorist attack, uh, asteroid hitting planet Earth, earthquakes, uh, a nuclear attack, any number of catastrophic events, either man-made or natural, the, the name of the game is to keep the American government, uh, American society, to have it to continue to operate uh, in a time of, of total chaos and disruption, which any prudent, by the way, any prudent superpower or government, especially the United States, the most powerful nation on earth, it's incumbent upon them to have this kind of planning developed. So uh, the problem is, though, that uh, the Washington, D.C. complex uh, has been obsessed in preserving itself. In other words, its, its focus has been in the preservation of governmental agencies, governmental departments, uh, governmental leaders, and there appears to be, unless there's things that we don't know, a conspicuous absence of the development of the same level of protections for the average American citizen in a time of crisis, or we, the people. And that, if that is true, that is not right. Okay, it is not right, even remote. So, there needs to be an accountability regarding the justification of spending billions of dollars and more uh, in, in, in their plan to guarantee order out of chaos. A plan that includes the safety and protection of we the people and the average American citizen, not just the government and, and those among the elite. So, uh, much of Washington has spent billions on this super bunker mentality uh, that considers too many people inside the Washington Beltway. Uh, they consider these elite Washington people inside the Beltway and their jobs and their departments as absolutely essential to the survival of the United States, and nobody's allowed to challenge that. Now, the problem with that is, again, there appears to be uh, a serious neglect uh, of we the people, our protection, our safety. I mean, I write about this in my books. Uh, Are You Ready? A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and 2. In the other books, I write about the fact that Russia has a massive, massive Black Mountain complex where it has a massive city built under mountains that includes huge uh, a capacity of huge number of Russian citizens to live in and to survive a nuclear attack. Well, we need to have similar things for the American citizens in America. There's a gentleman that I have worked with uh, over the years in different capacities, direct and indirect. Many of you would know who he is. I quote him often. I have been quoting him often for decades. He's been a guest on uh, many of my radio shows. And his name is uh, John W. Whitehead. And he's founder and president of Rutherford Institute. And he's a brilliant man. He's devoted his life to protecting our freedoms and civil liberties. He was also famous for his victory in 
trial against Bill Clinton, uh, where a uh, young female, I believe her name was Paula White, I'm not sure. Uh, she sued Clinton for sexually assaulting her. He won that case. Uh, but in, in any case, he writes a lot on our, our rights and government abuse of our rights. So in this article by John Whitehead entitled, Targeted for Tyranny, We're All Suspects Under the Government's Pre-Crime Program, he sounds, again, a clear warning. And let me just read you a few things he wrote. We are, we are all being targeted now. Not paranoia. Whitehead is telling you the truth. We're all guilty until proven innocent, innocent now. And thanks to the 24-7 surveillance being carried out by the government's spy network of fusion centers, we are now all sitting ducks just waiting to be tagged, flagged, targeted, monitored, manipulated, investigated, and interrogated, heckled, and generally harassed by agents of the American police state. Now, he's not some right-wing fanatic nut. He's a very intelligent, intellectual uh, uh, attorney, writer, philosopher. Uh, I first became aware of him and his work because he attended uh, Dr. Francis Schaeffer's uh, Labrie Fellowship, uh, a famous biblical scholar, evangelical think tank. And he uh, is friends with a good friend of mine, Dr. Francis Schaeffer, son of Dr. Francis Schaeffer. So, so he's, he's warning, again, uh, about government's growing number of spy networks of what are called fusion centers that are designed to target, label, monitor, investigate, and harass uh, law-abiding and peaceful, tax-paying Americans. And he writes, although although these pre-crime programs, now what a pre-crime is what was developed in the movie with Tom Cruise, where you could be arrested if a computer using artificial intelligence, Tom Cruise, if if the artificial intelligence predicted that you could possibly commit a crime like a murder, then they would send the pre-crime police to your house before you committed the alleged crime that artificially intelligent computers were predicting that you were going to commit. And so they would arrest you for for a pre-crime, not for an actual crime. Well, we've pretty well reached that area. People are being arrested based on their computer profile of what the computers think may be the behavior of an ordinary citizen. But that's the difference between night and day. If a computer thinks you may be guilty of a crime in the future and you get arrested for a crime that a computer believes you're going to commit in the future, but you never committed the crime, that's, that's, this is not the American system of justice. This is an electronic, computerized totalitarianism. And he's warning about it because this is operational now, and it's just started to take off. So these pre-crime programs are, pop, according to, to Whitehead, he says the pre-crime programs are popping up all across the country, cities, towns, and they are endangering individual freedoms. Whitehead writes, Nationwide, there are upwards of 123 real-time crime centers, a.k.a. fusion centers. Now, pay, listen very carefully to what these fusion centers are. 
which allow local police agencies to upload and share massive amounts of surveillance data and intelligence with state and federal agencies called from the surveillance programs, like facial recognition technology, gunshot sensors, social media monitoring. In other words, your social media is always being monitored and recorded on metadata, gigantic, gigantic storage facilities in the state of Utah. Um, so uh, these, in addition, they're gathering data, they're gathering the most microscopic personal private data on you, your family, your loved ones, uh, compiled from data collected by federal agencies, by random surveillance cameras, like in hotel lobbies, street corners, by facial recognition technologies, by gunshot sensors. Gunshot sensors are a secret technology that most people don't know about. It, 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 it includes an itsy-bitsy box placed on top of a large uh, street light. And in the itsy-bitsy box on the top of a large street light is a powerful microphone, wireless transmitter, and a recorder. And it's, it's, it's calibrated. If it hears a gunshot go off, it instantly notifies the police, and it can, it can determine what gun fired, what gun was fired by, by a, a, a cybernetic measurement of the sound of the gunshot. It's new technology that most people don't know exists. So um, then he talks about the sharing of information between the different agencies, uh, facial recognition, uh, social media monitor, monitoring drones, body cameras, artificial intelligence-driven policing algorithms. Now, right there is, uh, is this one is huge. They have artificial intelligence computers that are driven or calibrated by predictive policing algorithms. That's just a fancy word of saying they have created specific social formulas based on different factors of information, such as your education, such as your, your family history, such as your history. All the personal and social and family data that they can gather about you and your family helps them make not a factual decision, but in a sense, a giant guesstimate based on computer information that is conducted by artificially intelligent computers. So, so it's, it's far from fair, and it's somewhat a gigantic gamble, which could be very punitive to innocent people. Now, they use these algorithms and, and formulas not to, to try to determine in advance whether or not a person is going to break a crime or do bad things in the future, which is, not, which is totally against our Constitution. The, uh, Whitehead writes, these data fusion centers, which effectively create an electronic prison, a digital police state from which there is no escape, are being built in partnership with big tech companies such as Microsoft, Google, Amazon, which helped fuel the rise of police militarization and domestic surveillance. With the latest expansions of the surveillance state are part of Biden's efforts to, com to combat domestic extremism through the creation of pre-crime prevention agency. They have long been a pivotal part of our government's plan for total control and dominion. 
Now, why would our government have a plan for total control and dominion? That's the exact opposite of the American system. Total control and dominion are the attributes of a Marxist, communist, Nazi dictatorship. They have nothing to do with the American way. This is very, very dangerous. And especially when they're feeding their computers with artificial intelligence, what they consider to be a potentially problematic person, you and I and many others would consider virtue. So, for example, if you're a practicing born-again or evangelical Christian, you have a far higher likelihood of being placed on a government watch list. If you believe in Bible prophecy, you would be possibly on a government watch list. If you protest abortion or you are for only traditional marriage, very easily you could be on a government watch list. If you attend church more than once a week or once a month, you could end up on a government watch list. In other words, you are persecuted, you are demonized, and you are categorized and filed electronically if you're a Christian, if you have Judeo-Christian moral values, if you're patriotic, if you own a gun, if you uh, believe in the Constitution or the Bill of Rights. All of those things demonize you and make you a potential enemy to, to our government. That is completely against the American right, completely against the Bill of Rights and the Constitution. It is the opposite. It's dictatorial. It's totalitarian. Okay, so uh, Whitehead writes, This crime prevention campaign is not so much about making America safer. It is about ensuring that the government has the wherewithal to muzzle anti-government discontent, penalize anyone expressing anti-government sentiments, preemptively nip in the bud any attempts by the population to challenge the government's authority or question its propaganda. So you're not allowed to publicly question the government's propaganda. You end up on a list. Here's an example of that. There was a huge percentage of Americans who thought or believed that the election between Biden and uh, uh, I'm blank here. <laughs> there, there, there was a huge number of people, Americans, who believed that the election between Biden and Trump was rigged, and that Biden and the Democrats stole the election for expressing those views privately by putting those views on social media. You can be put on a list as a potentially dangerous person, a pre-crime person, for simply expressing your your distrust of the integrity of, of the election. Now, if the shoe was on the other foot, you wouldn't be on a list. So the fusion centers that are frequently scrutinizing peaceful, dissenting speech and people that are not breaking the law, but they're being put on this pre-crime list, which is a method of intimidation. Uh, already the powers that be are mobilized to ensure that fusion centers have the ability to monitor and lock down sectors of a community at a moment's notice. For instance, Whitehead says, a 42,000-square-foot behemoth of a fusion center in downtown Washington is reportedly designed to better prepare law enforcement for the next public health emergency or January 6th-style attack. According to agency spokespersons, screens covering the walls of the new facility will show surveillance cameras around the city as well as social media accounts 
that may be monitored for threatening speech. So, Whitehead again states, we are all enemies of the state. Draconian laws, free crime, and surveillance state. And Whitehead writes, it's like a scene straight out of Steven Spielberg's dystopian film Minority Report, starring Tom Cruise, set in the year 2054, when police agencies harvest intelligence from widespread surveillance, behavior prediction technology, data mining, precognitive technology, and neighborhood and family snitch programs in, an, in order to capture would-be criminals before they can do any damage. Incredibly, as the various different technologies and employed and shared by government and corporations alike, things like facial recognition, iris scanners, massive databases, behavior prediction software, and so on, are incorporated into a complex interwoven cyber network aimed at tracking our movements, predicting our thoughts, and controlling our behavior. The dystopian visions of the past are fast becoming a reality. Our world is now characterized by widespread surveillance, behavior prediction technologies, data mining, fusion centers, driverless cars, voice-controlled homes, facial recognition systems, cyborgs and drones, predictive policing, pre-crime, aimed at capturing would-be criminals before they can do any damage. What once seemed to be futuristic is no longer, no longer occupies the realm of science fiction. The American police state's take on the dystopian terrors shadowed by George Orwell, Aldous Huxley, and Philip K. Dick have been rolled up into one oppressive pre-crime and pre-thought crime package. So he's warning. He's warning of the abuse of technology and the loss of our freedoms. And so all of this stuff is moving full speed ahead with the Great Reset. Um, the Great Reset is not going to be brought in through happy, smiling, willing people volunteering to join the Great Reset. The Great Reset is going to be brought in by the usage and employment of terrifying electronic virtual reality propaganda that elicits powerful states of psychological fear and paranoia, which creates a herd mentality in people. and the threat, along with the very highly probable existence of uh, brutal concentration camps, uh, detention camps, prisons, for anybody who doesn't, you know, wildly cheer the Marxist-Communist Great Reset, uh, they're going to be punished as they would be punished in any totalitarian state. So you and I, right now at this moment, we are at, and I've said this countless times. We're at the turning point. If God has given us one last opportunity for a biblical revival, a biblical third great awakening, if we rise now in a law-abiding and peaceful manner and strategically engage our society and strategically preserve our constitutional rights like the Bill of Rights and the Constitution, if we take up a stand, if we take the Bible seriously and seek the Lord repenting of our sins, especially apathy, and if we call upon God, as the Bible teaches us to do, and ask the Lord to clothe us with supernatural power from on high, which is the dunamis dynamite power of God, it is very possible that God will pour out his Holy Spirit in a supernatural way, which means the dunamis dynamite explosive power of God, 
revival will break out, but the success of this supernatural revival is contingent on the choice that evangelical Bible-believing Christians must make. We must stand on, on the biblical platform, the biblical foundation of a biblical worldview in which we operate from both hemispheres of our mind, the right hemisphere and the left hemisphere. So on one hand, we use half of our minds to operate spiritually, calling upon the power of the Holy Spirit, operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, paying attention to uh, the, the fruit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and moving in an authentically biblical, supernatural evangelism and revival. That's one platform. Secondarily, we need to stand firmly on the other hemisphere of our brain, which is connected to logic, reason, education, science, a knowledge of history, a knowledge of psychology, philosophy, education, government, and that whole spectrum of linear, logical, rational thinking that is able to analyze scientifically, technologically, and based on uh, a knowledge of history. In summary, the two sources of power that are available to you and I now, when combined, will explode with the dunamis power of God. But these are the two platforms of reality upon which we stand in this world that's moving towards totalitarianism. One, we operate in the power, the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the supernatural. We engage in high-level spiritual warfare with principalities and powers and the dark unseen forces of wickedness in heavenly places. And then the other platform we stand on is a platform that is based on a solidly theological, biblical worldview in which we draw on and incorporate knowledge, which gives us power, intellectual knowledge, theological knowledge, scientific knowledge, technological knowledge, historical knowledge, uh, all the disciplines of study and understanding must be mastered and applied, because knowledge is power. So when we derive and access the power that comes from linear, logical, rational knowledge, and we access the power that is derived from faith in God's Word, and we receive power from on high, or we choose to be clothed with power from on high, when we synergistically merge these two incredible forces of power, the dunamis dynamite power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, which brings about biblical revival, and when we synergistically fuse that realm of power with knowledge's power, where we access and tap into knowledge, understanding, guidance, wisdom, science, technology, history, mathematics, and every other discipline that gives us a knowledge which produces power. So synergistically is when we bring these two dimensions, one representing the left hemisphere of the brain, the other representing the right hemisphere of the brain, we fuse them together, and it becomes what the military calls a force multiplier. And that simply means that we're not coming against the powers of darkness with sticks and stones and bows and arrows. We're coming against the, the fallen angels and the powers of darkness with superior technology. And I'm talking about the technology of God, the DNA of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. 
look at biblical examples from history of how David won physical world battles against Goliath, about how Joshua won physical world battles against the giants, and so on and so forth, you see that victory was always a matter of merging, seeking the biblical God for his power and direction supernaturally, and merging that with knowledge which bestows power. It is this essential theological balance of truth which equipped the pilgrims and Puritans to have the incredible intellectual, philosophical, theological power of renewing your mind with the Word of God, what that grants to you, coupled with the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of a biblical third great awakening, the power of a biblical uh, last days of revival. You fuse these two together, and you create an unstoppable last days force possessed by a last days church and a last days people. Then and only then, to the degree that you're clothed with power from on high, to the degree that you're accessing the mind of Christ, it is to that degree that you can subjugate your demonic spiritual enemies, overwhelm them, overwhelm them, and then you have the supernatural ability to occupy the land, take dominion of the land, until Jesus returns, until Jesus returns, along with the armies of heaven. So, to simplify it, God is coming soon. We know that. None of us know the exact date. The world is increasing and accelerating in evil, especially as the spirit of Antichrist drives this evil. But God did not create us, his children, to be like lambs being led to the slaughter. We are supposed to be, according to the Word of God, we are supposed to be joint heirs with Jesus, already, in part, sitting on our thrones in the kingdom of heaven, ruling and reigning from another dimension with Jesus Christ, and exercising our authority in Christ on on this world. We are to be functioning as the kings and queens of planet Earth. We are to be functioning in the modality of ruling and reigning on planet Earth. And as we do these things, and they synergistically come together, we become an unstoppable force. And that unstoppable force of God's saints worshiping the true and living God, Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords, and then clothing us with power from on high, the sum total of those disciplines, that's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, ramps up our power so that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us. Right now, I need your help as never before in the history of my ministry that spans 40 to 50 years, if you include my childhood research. The Lord has, I have, the Lord has given me the same burden, the same focus, year after year, decade after decade, for my entire life. I, I cannot escape the call that God has given me because it's supernatural. I remember when he first came to Hollywood with my wife, Chris, and I ended up producing a bunch of, you know, sci-fi, uh, science fiction feature films. And I remember walking around Hollywood where I had my offices. And I remember walking this one particular street, which had these long row of magazines. Well, it turns out the magazines, uh, this is back, I don't know, 30 years ago. The magazines were all were primarily porno magazines. And I remember with my wife seeing, you know, we weren't sitting there examining them with a microscope, but it's obviously obvious with the nudity and stuff that these were porno magazines out in the open, face open. 
And to me, the fact that the porno magazines were out in the open, face open, was symbolic of a loss of spiritual territory uh, reaped by God's people. Now, if you walk down the street to the very end, there was a, a relatively large but prominent Baptist church, which was right in the middle of the left-hand and the right-hand sidewalks. So there's no way you could walk to the end of this porno, long porno outdoor magazine shop and not see this Baptist church. And I took out my video camera and I filmed it because what I wanted to record was the fact that everywhere I went, I would see these open porno uh, magazine racks back then. You know, you put in a quarter or whatever, and the magazine rack would open, get your porno newspaper or whatever. And I can't tell you how many times I would be standing in front of a large, numerically and strong and influential Bible believing Christian church. And yet it didn't seem to bother anybody that the wives, the mothers, and the children, when they got out of their cars, they would walk right by these metal porno uh, uh, magazine racks, which the teaser photo was very provocative, very vulgar, and the kids were staring right at it as they walked by. And, and, and to my knowledge, in every one of these cases, nobody from the staff of the church ever contacted the city, ever protested or ever stood up against this this onslaught of porno that was, you know, there, there, there happened to be a law back then that the, the porno was legally not allowed to be sold within uh, proximity or, or, or a short amount of feet from a church, or a church with a, with a Sunday school for youth. It was illegal. So all they had to do, really, is take advantage of the laws. And so I noticed that this was like all these Christian churches in Southern California had settled into the mentality that we're just going to live with the open porno out on the streets. Now, as you know, from being from out of town, porno is probably one of the biggest industries in Southern California. A large percentage of the porno films and videos or whatever, come they're produced in uh, Southern California because all these girls and some guys come from all over the country to be, they think, authentically in the movie or television business, mainstream television and movies, and, and they, they, they can't get those jobs, so they sell their bodies to be porno actors and actresses. So I videotaped this, and I made a commentary about this was a symptom of why we were losing our culture. Because when you give up territory, and you keep giving up territory, where you eventually end up, the Bible says, is you end up in captivity and in slavery, and you become the conquered. And so the pornographers were conquering the Christians. So that was just one part of it. And the Lord just kept forcing me to encounter situations which vividly demonstrated the loss of territory, the loss of influence, the loss of the impact of the gospel of Jesus Christ among the so-called Bible-believing church or evangelical church. And it was always attributed to a desertion of the authority of Scripture, a rejection of the authority of Scripture and the authority of God's Word, and the captivity that God's people were going into was always the result of what you could call a theological retreatism, uh, a picking up and running from the battle. And, and, and the reason you're doing that is because you want to 
appease the gods, the false idols of personal peace and prosperity. And so the Lord, not that I'm holier than anybody else, not that I'm more virtuous than anybody else, but just because I was available, period, not because of good works, just because I was available, the Lord kept calling me to champion on a global and national scale this pivotal issue, which is God's people must first stop surrendering the territory that the Bible is absolutely true, inerrant, and inspired in, any, in everything that it contains. And the minute you give up any part of that truth, you're in retreatism and going into captivity. So first, there must be a recapturing of the territory of the Word of God. And then there must be a recapturing of the societal territory. And finally, there must be a driving back of the powers of darkness. And essentially, that's the core of the ministry that God has called me to. That's why, as I studio, I turn around and look at books I've written. And I'm not saying, I'm not giving you the titles of these books to sell them to you. I'm really not. I'm just telling you the, the titles of these books reflect what the call of God. And it's a call that most people didn't have. So, for example, I'm looking at the bookshelf in Paul McGuire Report Studio behind me, and I see one book, Who Will Rule the Future? A Resistance to the New World Order. And that was written like, I don't know, 40 years ago. It says it all. Who will rule the future? God's people or the Luciferian elite? And then in, in, the subtitle is A Resistance to the New World Order. These books are old, but you can buy them. Send a, send a fair donation, and we'll mail it to you. Now, when I say, I mean, they're old, that simply means that the pages are, are perfect, but slightly faded color over time. But, but the message, the clarity is totally there. Another book, From Earthquakes to Global Unity, The End Times Have Begun, which I wrote after my house almost collapsed during the Northridge earthquake. Standing Down Goliath, it says it all. Instead of running and hiding against the demonic Goliath powers, take your authority in Christ and force Goliath to stand down. Fire him in order in the authority of Jesus Christ. Standing Down Goliath, another book, The Warning. One man, one microphone, one world. It's kind of a novel, a fictional novel about a radio talk show host who, who after a nuclear attack on Los Angeles, uh, stands up by the grace of God with all his imperfections as one man, one microphone, and one world. Well, it's about a radio talk show. Another clue to my call, Mass Awakening, that Doug Hagman wrote. We're, we're, we're ordering a reshipment of that book. That's a powerful book, Mass Awakening. And basically, it's a book that teaches you how to uh, take a lethargic sleep church in America and wake them up. The book, The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World. The book, The Babylon Code, Trumpocalypse, that I wrote with Troy Anderson. Mega best-selling books that went to the White House, that went to major leaders uh, all around the United States and the world. Conquering the Matrix, which shows you how you don't have to be a victim to MK Ultra mind control. The Day the Dollar Died, which exposes the Fed. Power from on high, my latest book, which shows you how to walk in not fake, phony baloney, jumping up and down, nuttiness, but authentic biblical power from one eye. The book, Are You Ready? Powerful book. Jack Hibbs uh, uh, said that uh, I was one of the few prophets uh, of our time, and that I was actually a prophet. I was very honored. He said that after reading my book, 
Are You Ready?, which he gave to his congregation at Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills. A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and 2. And on and on and on. I've written a total of 46 books. These books, the Paul McGuire Report, the radio, the TV, the conferences, the Paradise Mountain Church, all of it collectively and synergistically has reached millions and millions of people all over America and around the world. And without one iota of exaggeration, over a million people have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. All from a tiny ministry and just one guy. Not because I'm Superman, just because I'm available. So I need you to stand with me. The battle is not over. No surrender, no retreat. I need you to do what God tells you to do. When God calls you, when God puts it on your heart to give a contribution or donation, whatever God tells you to do, radically obey Him. And I promise you from personal testimony that when you radically obey God, like in giving or whatever, He will radically bless you. If you want average run of the mill blessing, then obey God on an average run-of-the-mill basis. Radical giving seeds radical return. It's just that simple. And then finally, I need you to like, follow my social media, join my e-blast, help me break the the attack on this ministry and me uh, where they're rigging uh, our numbers. They're artificially lowering our numbers. The numbers are in the millions. I've been tracking this for years. That's when you add up all the media that I'm on, which is a huge spectrum, and and count it out over decades, you find out factually that millions of people have been touched and reached. But they hate that, so they want to marginalize me by rigging me. Rigging me is an assault. And finally, I never talk about it, and I'm not going to say very much. I'm just going to give you a slight hint. I have paid a heavy price for doing what I'm doing, far heavier than you'll ever know, because I don't expect violence of sympathy. I've had everything from the most full-on demonic assaults and attacks to everything such as intentionally targeted with the goal of taking me out of this earth. In other words, killing me. I'm not making that up. The only thing that prevented me being taken out and a number of key people, a network of key people, Know the specifics. That's a check and balance to protect my safety. The only thing that kept me from being taken out, and this was Christmas Eve this past year, was this. I heard a voice in my head. It was the Lord. It was like time was slowed down supernaturally. I heard the still small voice of the Lord tell me what was going to happen in the next 90 seconds and what precisely I needed to do in the next 90 seconds before. I either collapsed and dropped dead or collapsed into unconsciousness. So I heard the voice of the Lord who told me. It was like, there's no way he could have told me this in 90 seconds. But he froze the, the, the movement of time. He gave me instructions on what to do, who to talk to. With seconds after that, I am leaving this world, perhaps for good. But the Lord told me who I need to talk to and what I needed to say. And right before I was ready to be gone, I, by the grace of God, obeyed him. And miraculously, what should have been a successful hit failed. Now, I'm not going to say anything more than that except to tell you, and I don't believe this will ever happen, but in the events you ever hear of my demise, no matter what so-called facts, no matter what so-called scenario or lies or falsehoods 
are used as the cover story for taking me on. I want you to know they're all lies, or what they are is is little partial truths magnified and distorted. I am very careful, careful and very meticulous about my life. I am not suicidal. I am not uh, careless. I am very responsible because I, I know that I'm here to run a race, and I don't intend to jeopardize that race. So if by chance I was ever to be taken out and you heard all these lies, please recognize that they're lies. They can make up anything they want. Now, I have developed a network of people that I trust who know the true story of what happened, and they have the facts. So if that was to ever happen, and it's not going to happen, it can be exposed for the lie, and those that did it, the illegal criminal act, can be arrested and prosecuted. I'm not going to say anything more about that. But I will say this. What prevented the success of the hit was the fact that I engaged personally in militant spiritual warfare, calling on the angelic armies every day of my life, calling on God's supernatural power and his protection every day of my life for me, my family, my loved ones, and people I know. And every day of my life, I engage in spiritual warfare, binding the principalities and powers and calling upon the power of God and the angelic armies and the technology of God. In addition, because I've asked people like you year after year to pray for me, to pray for my family, to pray for those who are part of this ministry in whatever capacity, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. All of you that have lifted up a prayer for me, your faithfulness to pray for me, my family, in this ministry is the reason why the death attempt was supernaturally blocked by God. It was your intercessory prayers which stopped it. You understand how powerful your prayers are? They are they determined my life and death and your life and death. So I knew when this thing was going down that God had banked all the intercessory prayers for me and you. And in the moment of trial when the evil one came with the attempt to take me out, God withdrew all those intercessory prayers that you offered up. Thank you so much. And I offered up, and he blocked the power of the enemy. Supernaturally. There's no other explanation for it. Okay, so all things are possible with God. We can turn this around, but we're going to have to rise in the power of the Holy Spirit and the wisdom of God. Thank you so much for standing with me. Thank you for being faithful servants of the the Most High God. Thank you for being anointed men and women who God has bestowed his anointing of the Holy Spirit upon in the last days. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for your obedience. And I pray in the name of the I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that the Lord God Almighty, Jesus Christ, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, would supernaturally anoint, supernaturally bless, supernaturally prosper, supernaturally heal. And I call down your power, Jesus, as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I call down the power of God, the dunamis of God, and I clothe all of your people who are joining me in prayer. I clothe all of your people right now in the authority of Jesus Christ. I clothe your people in the supernatural power, the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Father, at this moment that you're opening up the windows of heaven. Power from on high is surging into the soul mind, heart, and bodies of your people. And you, as, you, as you reach out by faith to receive this visitation and outpouring of the Holy Spirit by Almighty God, as you reach out in faith to receive it, 
The Lord is infusing you with power from on high, and it, what it feels like is like an intense musical vibration of the energy, the dunamis of God Almighty. You can actually experience the pure force of the supernatural dunamis power of God entering, entering your body, soul, and spirit. And, and, and another term for that is called being quickened by the power of the Holy Spirit. When you're quickened by the power of the Holy Spirit, it means the supernatural enemy, the, uh, the supernatural energy, the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit is all of a sudden ignited in your inner man or inner woman by your prayers. And now you discover that you are supernaturally empowered to be victorious. You are supernaturally empowered to use your mind at a higher level. You are supernaturally empowered to be delivered from sickness, disease of all kinds. And I want to close with this prayer, and it's a prayer of faith. Join me in this prayer. We're going to take back a massive amount of territory for the devil. Lord Jesus Christ, repeat it after me. We come to you now in the name of Jesus. And for every person who has been afflicted by the, the vaccine or by COVID or by GMO foods or by toxins or poisons of, in, in any way, Lord, we come to you into your throne room through the blood of Jesus on behalf of all of your children. Uh, and we name them before you, God, right now in the name of Jesus. We call upon your supernatural, miraculous power to, at this very moment, to we command that the DNA of every person would be totally redeemed. We command that the DNA of every person would be totally restored. We speak to the genetic codes of your people, and we ask that you would recalibrate them to the precise, victorious design that you embedded in them before they were born from their mother and father. So, Lord, we reclaim the genetic, the DNA, the biological territory of every person's body, soul, and spirit right now in the name of Jesus. And wherever there has been affliction or disease or attacks in any way, we break the spirit of disease. We break the spirit of infirmity. We take out the sword of the spirit and we sever the connection between your body and their bodies. We sever the connection between your body and their bodies and any demonic spirit of infirmity, which is illegally afflicting any one of your people with a besieging sickness. Lord, we speak to that besieging sickness. We speak to that sickness that just won't let go and just won't go away. And so at this moment in time, speaking under and in the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, we forever break, we forever decimate and shatter all control, all sickness, all disease, all malady, all infirmity. And we say before the throne room of God that he himself bore our infirmities upon himself on the cross. We say before you, we say before the throne room of God that none that none, nada, of the diseases of Egypt will come upon us. The diseases of Egypt are the diseases of the world system, such as GMO foods, 5G technologies, and other things that are of the world system, Egypt. None of the diseases of Egypt shall come upon us. We claim that for your people now, in Jesus' name. And Lord, we pray that as the power of the Holy Spirit is released with power, with power and incredible magnitude right now, as the burning fire of the Holy Spirit raises body temperatures, purging all sickness and disease from people's bodies, we speak with authority and command the spirit of infirmity to be severed and isolated from your people, and we command complete restoration 
rejuvenation. We command and claim longevity. We command and claim uh, a reverse engineering to super start the immune process, God. We, we believe you for longevity and longevity, two new scientific terms regarding the immune system. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.